You're listening to You Should Read This, a comic book and graphic novel review and discussion podcast. I'm Ryan. And I'm Alan. Uh, welcome. Today we're going to talk about the first volume of the legendary manga, Akira. Legend. Wait for it. Dairy. Okay. What are we waiting for? <laughs> I don't know. That was just, yeah. the, that was the joke, right? I don't that know. Was, That's from we were... that show that I haven't seen. It was, you haven't seen that show? No. Am I supposed to? I feel like everybody is that like like would have seen that show. It is like Friends, I think. Ugh. I think it's Friends for Millennials. I don't Although Millennials friends. still watch Friends. I'm right on the know. cusp. Technically, I'm, I'm one year too young to be a Generation X. So it's weird. I don't know if Millennial actually has any meaning at this point. I feel like it's like a word that you say so often and it, loses, it just loses its meaning completely. It's just I think when, you, when you want to describe a lazy youngster who is... <laughs> Poorer than their parents. Yeah. Then you just call them a millennial. Yeah. Or, you know, if you're trying to say that an industry is dying, you can just put millennials are killing and then fill in yep. the blank after that. Yeah. yeah. Wine, television, <laughs> newspapers. I heard mayonnaise the other day. Sure. Why not? <laughs> well, yeah, because we, we just have avocados and aioli. <laughs> I feel like aioli is harder to bake than mayonnaise. Am I fooling myself? It's just mayonnaise. It is? Okay. But it's. Is it like mayonnaise with truffle oil in it or something? I, feel, I think it's mayonnaise made with like vegetable oil instead of lard or something. I don't know. Okay. Well, lard is, lard is good because lard is paleo friendly and probably keto friendly in that case. Well, yeah, but so is vegetable oil. I don't actually know if that's true. I don't know. There's an oil you're supposed to fry things in and an oil you're not supposed to fry things in. Bacon yeah. grease is the best oil to fry everything in because it's tastiest. Apparently that is true. I, I I like it, well, here's the thing, As I like it because um, I don't have to deal with the grease afterwards, like, you know, getting a big pan full of bacon grease and you gotta scoop it and then dispose mm-hmm. of it, because you can't dump it down the drain. No, yeah. Which makes I, cleanup infinitely more annoying. I just pour it into a jar and put it in the fridge. See, that's weird. And then what I do you use, use it later. For what? Cooking things on the frying pan? I feel like I don't cook things. Maybe that's my problem. That could be it. Sometimes if I don't want to save it, it's been like particularly gnarly bacon, I'll pour it into a styrofoam cup or something, wait for it to solidify in the freezer. Does gnarly bacon mean you burned it? Or does gnarly bacon mean it just had like a ton of fat Usually on it, it means I burned it. I like very crispy bacon and other members of my household prefer their bacon to be floppy. Okay, but bacon is pork, yeah? Yeah. So you're supposed to like cook it all the way through. Well, yeah, but I mean... It's really thin. It gets cooked, quote unquote, all the way through, and it can still be floppy. Good, because that's the way I thought I like We're it. talking about this is a comic book show. Oh, yeah. I forgot we do comics. Right? Um, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, Akira, which is something, Let's, weirdly enough, that I've never read before. I, that surprises me so much. I know, because that's my shtick is, is, is the mangas. And it's like, the, it's like the, one of the more legendary ones, probably because, at least partially because of the anime. But, a lot of comics creators I know are just boggled by, by, the, by Akira. It has a lot of things that I want to get into that make it very, I don't want to say unusual. I, I do think it's somewhere, along the, somewhere more along the lines of extraordinary, like uh-huh. extra hyphen ordinary. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? No, um, like, are you saying like it's, it's super boring? Uh, no, no, not boring at all. Like it, it just, it, it takes manga... Like from when I was reading, you know, Bleach or One Piece or whatever, and it's sort of 
here's that, but the really heady version. Oh, gotcha. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, let's let's get the business real quick and then let's start the show. Okay, do the business. Yeah, sure. You're listening to You Should Read This. Um, we uh, are a comic book show. We need reviews on iTunes and, and the other social places where you can look at podcasts and say, hey, this is what I think of it. Give us some. We generally do graphic novels or collected works, and uh, we attempt to keep it within a lunch hour, uh, lunch hour type time frame. Yeah. Uh, or so that's Twitter. what you're in for. <laughs> uh, we're on Twitter at YSRT Comics, on Instagram and Facebook at You Should Read This Comics. Uh, we're at You Should Read This dot club. Uh, yeah. Let's- we're not. We're not sponsored by anything. So no, yeah, no ads. We've never There's, done ads. We never. I mean, we probably won't ever do ads. No quip. No no Casper. No. Uh, what else? What am I missing? Squarespace. Uh, what's what's the one where they send you food that you're supposed to cook? Blue Apron. Although um, there's a new one which is called uh, something apron. fresh. Oh, Hello Fresh. Hello Fresh. Yeah, that's I think the we, new one. We actually like did a free trial of that because somebody else gave us one, and I was like. Well, I could have gotten all this food for cheaper. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it's delivered to you. Yeah, but that's... I'm in the car all the time anyway. Ryan, don't there's you know groceries, that... There's groceries so close to my house. Ryan, don't you know that millennials are killing grocery stores? Well, that's true. I, I only ever go to, like, Grocery Outlet or the Ranch Market or Costco. All right, let's, uh, <laughs> let's stop talking about millennials killing things, talking about teenagers killing things with their mind. With their minds, which is with the mind same thing that millennials are doing. Yeah, My, that's millennials. telekinesis, Kyle. <laughs> About the power to move you, and like plays a single note on the guitar. Anyway, um, my let, kids, oh, I, I can't. Sorry, we can't keep going without me talking about this. We just watched the Muppet movie, not the original The Muppet movie, but the Muppets that came out in like 2013. Yeah, this one with a with a bunch of actually really famous actors for the year 2010 or whatever. Yeah, um, Amy Adams is in it. She's probably the biggest star. Let's be real. Okay, uh, but but Jack Black's in it, and at one point, one of the uh, some random Muppet says. You got nice teeth, Jack Black. And my kids just kept walking around the house saying that. Kids latch on to weird stuff. It was it was just the strangest thing and it was it was it kind of made me happy because it's so weird. <laughs> <laughs> Has they have they watched you play Jet Set Radio yet? Uh they no. <laughs> I feel like the moment they go, Ooh, what's that? And then you're playing Jet Set Radio, that's gonna be like peak dad, probably. Like now kids. Don't spray paint unless you're in a fictional Tokyo <laughs> in the year 20XX. Run around oh, on gosh. your magnet skates. Wait, 20XX? Is that, is that I canon? No, I don't, I don't think it is. Oh, because 20XX is also, isn't that the Mega Man X year? Yeah, like, yeah, are Jet Set Radio and Mega Man in the same universe? I mean, they're both, no, because Mega Man is, is Capcom and that's Sonic, so no. Oh, all right. But speaking of legendary Japanese thing. All right, well, we're trying. Let's, let's get there. Let's talk about this comic book. Uh, so who, Alan, who is the creator of Akira? Uh, so the creator is Katsuhiro Otomo, um, who, let's see, he was born in 1954, so right. he is a slightly older gentleman. Yeah, he's um, a little younger than my mom. But has basically just been, has been doing manga work um, since the like mid to late 70s. Um, on, are we allowed to like say the old show? Can we say that? Yeah, yeah. 
Okay. So on the old joke, uh, also known as four-color commentary, we read another book um, called Domu, uh, which was very similar in scope and tone, I feel like. Um, but uh, it was also written by him. Um, he's done several other works. Uh, let's see here. In 1973, he did A Gun Report, uh, which is the title of it. It was called A Gun Report. <laughs> Domu came out in 1980. Um, uh I don't. I'm gonna fly. I'm gonna flip back and forth be, between calling it Akira and Akira. I should That's definitely fine. be calling it call Akira. It Akira. Yeah. Yeah. We definitely should be. Um, Sorry. Let's see here. And he did. Um, he did something called Batman Black and White Number Four in 1996. Yeah. I don't know what that means. Well, the Batman Black and White series was like these. They weren't. They're like one shots where they would just have them be printed in black and white and they would just get random artists and writers to do them. I think that Stan Lee did one. I think Mobius did one. Um, oh, Mobius Batman. Yeah. Right. It, he's, he's, he's like a vampire, I think. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I didn't realize that he did a Batman book. Now I got, did, now I yeah. want to go find that and read it. The most recent thing that, um, <laughs> the most recent thing that Wikipedia has him down as, I'm just going to call it Wikipedia now. Um, is uh is 2012. He wrote DJ Tech's Morning Attack. I don't know what that means. All right. Um, um, he was also go ahead. No go ahead. He was also the director for yeah. a couple things. Yeah, uh, including the 1988 Akira anime. Yeah, he's done. Um, he sort of like was a big deal manga creator, and then decided like, hey, I'm gonna direct a movie of my own comic book. Um, which is not entirely unprecedented um, because uh, Hayao Miyazaki's first movie that he did on his own was Nausicaa and the Valley of the Wind, which was based on his own manga. Um, so, so he just sort of like took the same path and made a much darker, much more uh, grown up. Uh, I mean, anyway, much darker uh anime and then he he did a few other ones um he did oh, several wanna, other ones you want to know what he did in 1994 what did jojo's he do? bizarre adventure ova what he did yeah. a jojo's ova yeah it's called volume four dio no sekai um which i don't have a translation for for those of you who aren't total nerds like us ova is an original video animation it is a non-theatrical released but movie length usually animation yeah it's sort of like a like a a non it's usually non-canon but uh it's like a fun little side adventure they turn they decide to do a movie sometimes it's, it's canon but it, but it's just like we didn't put this on tv it's like a it's like a direct-to-dvd release basically yeah exactly yeah but that's that's crazy so he did a jojo that's crazy he i, I know i have uh i have a couple of his later movies on dvd he did this movie called steam boy um, yeah, which is more kid friendly. My kids have seen it, um, and it's like kind of this weird steampunk movie, uh, and it's it's good. It's really good. And then uh, he did uh, this anthology. It's just three shorts called Memories. Um, uh, Memories them... was ninety five. Steam Boy was two thousand four. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, that makes sense. Uh, so Memories has this one short in it called Magnetic Rose. That's super super his style and just mm-hmm. devastatingly good. Uh, and then steam boy is, is a little more kid friendly for him. So magnetic rose was directed by Koji Morimoto, 
um, but the story was the um, was Otomos. Oh, okay, that makes sense. Okay, okay. Um, I probably should have looked that up. You should see it. I'll let you borrow the DVD. <laughs> you know what's weird? It's super good. I don't have a DVD player. I have I have a TV with a Apple TV and a Switch. Oh man! Oh, I just realized that it's 2019. Uh, all right, uh, we've burned some time. Let's let's talk about this actual comic. So, but but he's like sort of a legendary creator. Mm-hmm. Uh, Otomo is, and we are nothing if not fanboys of creators, for sure. And it's it's interesting to me in that he hasn't like there's not a ton of mangas under his belt, mm-hmm. but I have talked to so many different comics creators and, and read the Twitter feeds of so many different comics creators who are just like, Oh man. Yeah. Acura. <laughs> I feel like any, even people I didn't think really watched anime or read manga or whatever, all know that name mm-hmm. and all from the same thing. Like that, that, that whole Tetsuo Kanada, like that whole thing is a huge like pop culture reference. It is. I mean, I remember as a kid seeing a Siskel and Ebert review of Acura. Really? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> like it was How was it? <laughs> it was sort of like uh I don't I think that Ebert liked it but Siskel didn't. Of course. Which seems pretty par for the course. But I mean like it was it was like not fully a cultural thing but it was one of the first like big animes that got a theatrical release in the United States. And I, like, I don't think it was in very many theaters or was very popular, but it definitely like floated around on VHS for a long time. Right. And I think the first place I saw it was on some like second generation VHS copy. I mean, I, I, I feel like I've had this conversation on a podcast before, but I've definitely told friends about it. Um, I wonder if I can find the exact place I got it from. Um, but long story short, around the early 90s, the export laws from Japan and the import laws from the US were offset, sort of. And so, like, the rules that you do of getting things out of Japan and into the US media wise were a little skewed. Um, and the things that got through that process, uh, for anime specifically. Um, unless they were being directly licensed from somebody by the U.S. who went to Japan and licensed it and brought it back, um, uh, a la Speed Racer or something like that, um, they had to be like uh, uh, scrutinized by these particular rules. And the weird thing is that a lot of it that got through was all of that weird Ninja Scroll um, tentacle-related <laughs> material. And so, like, from the sort of the late '80s, early '90s, when things in the U.S. and anime started, uh, like, ramping up more. Like, it was becoming more of a, a world market, as it were. Um, ev- that's where everybody's, like, conception of anime being really weird and and um, a little, I guess, hyper-violent would be a word. Maybe, like, a, a word concoction I would use. Just because that was the stuff that was getting through. And it wasn't until later where, like I said, people from the U.S. go, hey, there might be a market for this thing. And they go, and uh you know option off um older or or uh, like we got samurai pizza cats we got sailor moon um we got a uh, oh gosh there's probably a whole bunch of people of things that you've watched that you're like i didn't really realize that was anime at the time well yeah like a lot of like uh like robotech oh robotech or, yeah um battle for the planets 
like that stuff was they they um they power rangered it you know they like imported the video and then just recut it and then wrote new scripts that sort of fit with what was happening and i mean like the original ro- run of robotech is two different animes squished together it's macross and battleship yamato or whatever it Space probably battleship was yamato. it battleship yamato no way yeah was it really yeah 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 the the robotech like it it kind of cuts between those two and they just oh it was before people realized like oh like maybe the stuff we just translated would be good they're like no no, no. We, we just take we just take this video just take this raw footage and do whatever we want with it. And then we don't have to pay animators. We have to pay editors and writers and voiceover actors. You know, it's funny. And, uh, like, I, I've been getting really more into the whole Super Sentai, like, legacy thing recently. Oh, yeah. And I didn't realize that Haim Saban um, was trying to option Power Rangers for, like, three years before it came to the U.S. So he tried with the Sentai series before um, he brought over um, Z-Ranger. Um, and they're just like, ah, oh, we're not really sure it's going to work. And then he eventually got, um, the rights for the, the next series and that turned into Power Rangers. But it's also weird because then just like in anime, that whole thing went from, Hey, we're going to rewrite a whole bunch of it and keep it just the same and continuous story. Eventually they learned, Oh, it's sort of successful because they do new stuff all the time and you don't have to keep tying yourself down. So it does get rewritten all the time, but it's all the new series every season just like japan does well yeah there's a there's a story that like the power rangers run was so successful that him Simon was like hey give me some more of that z ranger and they're like no there's not anymore. yeah like, we didn't make anymore we've moved on and he was like then give me all the costumes yeah he did and every, uh, every prop and then like they shot more of it yeah or no i don't even think he asked them to give it to him i think he just said okay shoot some stuff and then we'll work it in to, and we need like five more episodes to fulfill our contracting requirements or whatever. I, I know we're getting off topic, uh, real quick. I just, but I just want to say that it was, it didn't occur to me until I started looking up all this stuff that the White Ranger was not part of the original Z Ranger. <laughs> yeah, that's he's right. He's from, that's right. he's from O Ranger, and it's a completely separate series. And it's like, oh, you never saw their Zords. That's why they switched all the Zords over, because otherwise you never would have saw their Zords interacting. Because <laughs> yeah, and. And that's why the Green Ranger turned into the White Ranger because they were like, "Well, we don't have any more footage of the Green exactly. Ranger." Exactly, because because the, the Green Ranger dies in the original in the original Z Ranger, he dies. I think what you, the listener, can glean from us talking about the Japanese influence on on uh, children's media in the United States in the nineties and in the eighties and nineties is that Akira is sort of a landmark in terms of its penetration in the American market as something that's Japanese that kept its story. Which is highly unusual, as you just heard us discuss. Yeah, and actually, it's the same thing with the manga. Manga was not getting translated, wasn't getting brought over. And the version, the version of this that we read is, was one of the first ones that was brought over, and, and Dark Horse paid for it to be done right because enough people who were comics people were like, now nah, this stuff is legendary. But even then, quote-unquote, done right, they still flipped it. They went into whatever rudimentary version of Photoshop they had and flipped every single page and then rewrote all of the all of the words in the background and all the dialogue and everything and and changed the direction of lines and stuff so that it reads left to right instead of the traditional way that manga reads which is right to left. I did get thrown off by that. Um, right? Originally. It's weird. 
it's weird now, but it was it was like the first manga I ever picked up, and I was like, oh, well, this is easy. It just reads normal. Not one of those, whoops, you've turned to the back of the book. Please turn this book around. Yeah. I mean, to be fair, that's that's not like a huge criticism. That's not us saying like, they should have kept it the original reading direction. No, I mean, like, I, mean, like, I, I doubt as many people would have read this if they hadn't flipped it in like 92 or 94 or whenever they did. Yeah, I agree. It was it was definitely uh, a little bit. It was still foreign, for sure. Yeah. So let's let's um let's jump in and, and talk about the story. Okay. So we read the first volume, and there are six volumes. And the movie covers the first and a half, kind of first and the second. Have you you haven't seen the movie? Have you? I have also not seen the movie. That's correct. Oh my gosh! I know, man. I've been too busy watching Naruto and <laughs> Dragon Ball Z and all this what kind other of nerd. Are you? Apparently, a a very weak willed one. Well, you're just a. I thought you were a Green Lantern. Man. Oh, jeez, what does that even mean? Because he's got strong will. Yeah, yeah. No, it, it's very strong. Yeah, I mean, that's probably one of the reasons I really like Green Lantern is more from my love of anime than the other way around. That's fair. Uh, I feel like there's been a lot of anime influence into the 90s Kyle Rayner Green Lantern. Uh, don't, even, so. don't even get me started on anime's influence on okay. the U.S. in the last 20 Good. years. Okay, because we won't do that. It's a bad idea. We're talking about Akira. Um, or Akira. Okay, so let's do... I like the idea of an elevator pitch Like before we, before we jump into the nitty-gritty. Like, do you have an elevator pitch for this? For this volume? Yes. Sure. Uh, a kid in a motorcycle gang begins to unlock latent psychic powers. There's also some military-industrial complex shenanigans and conspiracies. Okay. I would say um, in the dystopian future, there is a uh, biker gang of teenagers that get uh, enveloped in a sort of secret war between the government and rebels um, that... uh, that brings to light, uh, you know, government experimentation using uh, using uh, psyops and and um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, like telekinesis, and uh, they just like they're they're both fighting for and against both sides. You know what I mean? Um, although no, they're not really fighting for the government side. They're more just like caught in the middle of all this stuff that bleeds out into the city, and it starts affecting the city. And affecting their lives, um, which I which I would find particularly intriguing. Um, but yeah, it, it's it sort of deals specifically with um, like the telekinesis and the mental uh, supernatural uh, aspect of it more so than I thought it would. Well, tell me tell me more about that. You didn't expect a lot of the. Well, I mean, I. I... So here's the thing, like because it's a pop culture reference, but it's not uh, specifically um, like really ingrained. I know like there's a fight between two kids. There was a movie that came out. What was it called? Uh, a movie that well, was American made that was like a found footage kind of thing at first, and it was. Oh, I don't know. Was it? It wasn't push. Paranormal experience. No, it was something else. It was. It was like a group of kids, and one of them, and they developed superpowers or something weird like that. And it was supposed to be, I think, related to this. But that was um but that was kind of really the only extra conversation I ever got about this. So I know that it's a big deal and he's got a red motorcycle and he looks awesome in a in a top down isometric view of some sort of album cover. 
Um, so I I had no idea exactly what it was about, and then reading uh, reading it and reading it, it definitely doesn't do exposition uh, exposition quickly. It definitely takes its time uh, getting through uh, setting up characters and setting up motivations and creating intrigue. Um, very much manga style where it sort of drops you in the middle and it sort of lays it out for you as you go rather than this is Neo Tokyo. Although it does do that a little bit in the beginning Um, because it talks about the way the world is set up, not specifically where the characters are. But yeah, the whole thing with the with the psyops, with the government experimenting um, with the uh, with with um, Tetsuo getting like hit run over by a car and then that's how they find out that he's got telekinetic predisposition if i read that right yeah kind of they like do experiments on it i don't know it's it's it sort of does and doesn't explain it in future volumes okay it definitely the way they made it seem is they he so they're riding their motorcycles in uh, a part of the old uh, dead city and then uh this person phases out of nowhere in the middle of the road uh, Tetsuo crashes, the military come and pick him up, he doesn't come back to what I assume is supposed to be some sort of school, although I still am trying to figure out what that building is, um, and then he comes back and it flashes to, you know, the general dude and some scientists talking, and they're talking about how his readings for something are, are, um, extra, uh, are showing symptoms or signs, and I couldn't tell if that was because of like where he was, what happened previously, or he just had some sort of predisposition to being telekinetic or psychic or whatever. Yeah, I think it's I think it's a combination of factors. I don't I think that they I kinda like that they never really get deep into it. We don't get like the full origin of like here's exactly what happened. But I think it's just like it seems like he probably got some sort of head injury and then like maybe he like he was definitely on drugs and maybe that affected it like it's 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 really it's just sort of like a mystery yeah and then the other thing was when eventually he they start experimenting on him more and he starts developing these psychic powers meanwhile um our quote-unquote main character uh Kaneda is off um sort of getting in the middle of this weird uprising versus the government and just being a total jerk bag about literally everything well he's like being a total 15 year old about it i don't know if he's a 15 because i definitely get that it's a lost boys situation you know like he he's a 15 year old without any adult supervision without a family growing up in uh what appears to be some sort of weird trade school quote uh, orphanage deal um so him being a jerk bag is not surprising me what is surprising me is just with the reckless abandon and neutral uh, moral clauses that he does it with, like it's not—it's not just that he's kind of a jerk. Uh, he's not like a jerk with a heart of gold. He's a straight, true, neutral jerk, which does not for a uh, wholesome protagonist make. No, yeah, it. But it definitely like—he's sort of endearing in a terrible way. He's got this like childlike energy to him yeah i get that yeah and like a bit of charm but he mostly he just sucks he does really suck and he keeps avoiding getting killed even after all the bullets and people capture trying to capture him um getting in the middle of a showdown between two psychic forces um 
and bluffing his way out of it. It's it's all very impressive at the end of the day, but it's also I, you find yourself sort of getting to like him, but I can't for the life of me figure out why. Yeah, it's almost like survivor bias. Like, well, he keeps staying alive, so it's got must be something going for him, you know. I feel like if this were translated, let's say it was translated, adapted, rewritten for some sort of premium television cable network, um, they would probably kill him and then replace him with somebody else. Uh, I think they would just make him, give him a heart of gold. <laughs> you think they would go, all right. I don't know, in a world where, uh, in, the new, in the new world of, uh, of Game of Thrones and Westworld, I don't know. Yeah, that's fair. I think it would be much more fun to kill him and then replace him. Yeah, I mean, I can tell you that in the later volumes, some stuff happens. Oh, I'm sure. And yeah. he becomes different. As most things do. Yeah, it's the, the, to give you a slight spoiler on the whole of the series of Akira, um, like in volume, and, and I might be wrong because I haven't sure. read it in a couple of years, I feel like in volume two or three, basically the apocalypse happens. Which is what, they're, and then, what the government is saying they're trying to avoid. Right, and then there's several more volumes of, like, living with it now. Huh. So And so, I, I, it, like, it's, and, you know, and, and there's power struggles and, you know, basically, like, people living in this completely, like, not, like, still sort of functional on the edges city, but, like, completely destroyed, no civilization left in this area, and them, like, fighting to survive and stuff. Huh. That's interesting. And then, like, power struggles and lots of battles and other people with strange powers and it gets more gnarly. So this is, I mean, he was sort of writing for the long game then. Like this wasn't yeah. intended to be like a, a quick showdown between two friends where one of them gets, becomes a super villain. Um, and then, you know, bada bing, bada boom, good defeats evil or neutral defeats evil, whatever. And then end it. Like he was definitely, Oh, we're going to build this world and we're sort of building it with this first volume. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's interesting. Because that's not what I expected. Well, because you don't expect that. You just figure, like, oh, it's going to be, like, you know, motorcycles, and they're going to have a psychic battle, and lasers. And Tetsuo. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Got it up. Which they do a lot of in this manga. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I mean, it's it's kind of funny because, like, if you think about, like, really overdramatic, angry teenagers... Like yeah, they're gonna be shouting at each other. Oh yeah, they're very overdramatic, and they're gonna be like, "Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna kill that dude." Um, the chick that he meets up with and sub and subsequently becomes like his keeper, I guess you could say. What's her name? Kay. I'm not super sure. Like, she's an interesting character at first, but she does feel like she gets her wings clipped pretty early. Um, but I am very much surprised that she manages to keep as much clothing on as she does. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's definitely a scene that like. Now in 2019, I'm like, oh gosh. Yeah, right. Oh no, I I know what scene you're talking um, about. And yeah, no, it's it's like the book progresses. The characters really get developed a lot more. Like this book really lays the foundation. It's it's interesting. I'm sort of curious about your perspective. It's I like hearing your perspective that like her wings gets clipped and not a whole lot happens with her. Right. Because like we read when we read JoJo's, neither of us have read all 20 something volumes of that book. Of course. Uh, or even the, the rest of the volumes of the, um, Phantom Blood or whatever, the one that we read. And so like, it's interesting cause we didn't have that perspective. We're just like, I guess they hate each other. Right. 
in JoJo's where it's now, it's like, yeah, I guess they hate each other. And, it's like, and I'm sitting here saying, well, but more happened. Yeah, but more There's A lot more stuff to and, come if you read, read the rest of and it. And Ryan, this is why I wanted to do the show the way we do it because we're there's no way we're going to be able to you know read 20 volumes of whatever it is we're reading you know in in a week and a half span or whatever it is uh and then and then proceed to talk about it in less than an hour like that's just not going to happen um so we're we're doing the best we can but that being said yeah of course more is always going to happen but taking it at at what we do have and then sort of extrapolating from there and and having opinions as as we're reading it as if it's just coming out or at least as we're getting caught up on it it's still valid in my opinion no absolutely uh, i'm just saying it's, it's interesting sort of having that perspective I, I wonder like i don't even remember the first time that i read this because i've read it this was one of those when i first read this was it was one of the first comics i bought wow because i saw it used on like a used bookstore shelf like not even a not even a comic book store, a used bookstore, like an actual bookstore. Yeah, and it was uh, it was like a place where the used books were like at least half price, and so I saw the the giant oversized volume of Vong, and I'm like, oh, I've seen this movie. I'm gonna pay the six bucks or whatever, and I'm gonna buy this. Yeah, and then and then I finished it, and I was like, how many more of these are there? I need to read them all. So, do you feel like? This part- do you feel like this particular series let's just start with this particular volume that we read yeah let's talk about how that. do you, how do you feel about the pacing how do you feel about the um the the overall writing uh honestly it felt slow I agree actually <laughs> yeah uh i and I finished it and I was like wait all that stuff that I was expecting to happen doesn't happen in this volume do we get to the fireworks factory no no fire i mean we get to a little bit of a fireworks factory we get to the clowns hang out true but but yeah like i i yeah this one really is just spending a whole lot of time laying groundwork like there's a lot of shenanigans where they're getting chased and then they're not getting chased and they're getting chased and they're not getting chased like it it feels slow at first i definitely feel like the beginning feels slow i i think that in about the middle um they're writing real hard on those action um like real legitimate action movie chase scene vibes um where everything is just high intensity and we're running and we're running and people are shooting and things are exploding and they're sort of using those as anchor points and jumping between them um which is great because those scenes are really well done and and sort of fun and that's where you sort of learn to care about uh Canada and and K and it just gets uh it it, it gets the point across that things are dangerous and um and and uh there may be more at stake and then you get the cutaways with the with the general um he's a general right yeah um and talking to a giant dome of wires and tubes that says akira on it um yeah because they don't answer what akira is in this volume no they don't not at all they hint at it a little bit um so I, uh, this volume gives you about as much information as I would say, like the first volume of One Piece gives you. All right, I guess that's fair. Like it gives you like the main character, a at least one supporting character, a main villain for this arc or this story, um, as well as hints for what might be bigger than what's happening on the surface right now, so that you'll sort of be invested and in, and want to jump to the next thing. 
In fact, this probably does more than that. No, but uh, but at the same time, um, books like uh, like uh, One Piece are actually just like a bunch of a bunch of the shonen books that we read on the old show. Uh, it's four color commentary, by the way. Um, they like they end with the character say, "I'm gonna be the best right. pirate. I'm gonna be the best tennis player. I'm gonna be the best cook this this uh, this dungeon has ever seen." Um, that's still one of my favorites. I'm gonna get you a shirt or something with that with that art on it. I love it. Um, delicious dungeon or dungeon meshy, so good. Uh, but anyway, like this one doesn't end that with that. It's like I'm gonna be the best motorcycle warlord or rebel. Like there's no like it ends and it's just sort of like, all right, well I guess stuff's gonna keep happening. Like. Somebody's gonna have to stop Tetsuo at some point. Yeah, but like this isn't a shonen anime. This is no, that's fair. This is a psychological thriller, you know, movie translated into a paranormal manga, and I think that it would probably be more akin to relate it to a Tom Clancy novel than than like a One Piece uh, manga. I mean, maybe I'm using Tom Clancy. I'm invoking the name of Tom Clancy incorrectly here, which you can probably tell me. But um, I I do think that the overarching story is probably a lot closer to, um, you know, planting seeds, a deeper deeper plot or a deeper meaning, and then you just sort of play with the pieces that revolve um, galaxy style around this main plot until eventually your time for everything uh, to come together happens well and i I just i just refreshed i just went back over the last couple pages and it's sort of like it ends with i'm gonna be the best psychic warrior you've ever seen it does with who wait let me go back no really but like the general is like you're number 41 and he's like oh yeah what i honestly that's that's what i was wondering because honestly i like I, i said that twice um i like tetsuo being in that position where he can't just rely on himself so it doesn't become a well i'm just gonna do everything by the by what i want to do and then he just goes full crazy because it'd be it's cool to know that he might have the the might of the military behind him additionally um he uh um you know he has to he has to get help and and get um Oh man, uh, training is the wrong word, but focus. Yeah, but yeah, like something like, and it's. I think it's really interesting, the idea of, like, not just him being a psychotic murder machine who could kill people with his mind, but like, a psychotic psychotic murder machine who can kill people with his mind, who is being led by an agenda, of this mysterious military guy. Like it, it, it trans, it, it takes it to another level of like. Well, this guy's gonna kill a lot of people to like. Well, now they're going to definitely find you know get their agenda done. Let's figure out what that is. So I I think writing wise, we're probably in agreement that it is playing the long game, and the long game starts off a little slow, as most Absolutely. as most long games. But do. it really it really crescendos. I mean, a lot of stuff gets destroyed in the last couple of chapters of this. Oh, for sure. Yeah, collateral goes crazy. And and so speaking of collateral going crazy. The art, Alan. Oh, jeez. This is this is art that, like, even now, in 2019, with 
you know, the advances in computer technology or whatever. I found I sound like a video. No, no, I get you. That you'd watch. Yeah, yeah, like, like it's even now people are like, This is too much. This is so How much. How did one man do this? How could a person do this stuff? And all the all the screen tones that he's using, like in various degrees and um oh man, like the outlines, it's just this is so much detail. I don't I can't think of another manga that has this much detail in it that's in regular circulation. There's probably a bunch of underground manga or like just non-mainstream stuff I haven't read, but um, the amount of detail that goes into each uh, character and action scene, like every time somebody gets psychically attacked or um, is thrown from the force of an explosion, like it looks so visceral. Like you can see the impact on everything and it's, that that is a crazy amount of skill to put that much level of dynamicism into a black and white 2D drawing. I'm looking at like the inside of one of the warehouses and it's like he was just like, "Yeah, I'm just going to render every single strut that supports the ceiling." Yeah, good lord. And it's all And he didn't have Google SketchUp, you know, to like trace it. Yeah, man, where he did he get that reference from? He probably I mean, there's still, you know, photo reference and stuff. No, no, I know. And I think but... I've seen I think I've seen pastes of like Otomo drawings with the photo reference, but it's still insane. It's still a ton of work. It is a ton of work. I wonder how long it took to do all this too. You know, the other thing I was just looking at this and I, I was trying to figure out, cause it doesn't feel like a normal manga to me. And I haven't read a ton of manga, but I've read a decent amount. And the panel count on the pages is way higher than a normal manga. Um, I mean, this one is six. That one is four. That one is five. I'm used to I'm used to mangas where like three or four is is a is as many panels as you're gonna get on a page, and this is like six, seven, eight sometimes. I mean, it's no nine panel grid, but yeah, but a lot of them are just connecting panels too. But it's still it's just it. There's a lot more that happens on any individual page. I felt like the the nearly 400 pages of this read a lot slower than even like a JoJo's. I think that it feels like it's a lot more panels because uh, the lines are so intense. Go, go look at page uh, 280 on the, on the reader page and then tell me that like, those lines are not... Like, tell me that doesn't look like... Because it's only four panels, but it looks like seven. Yeah. You know? Oh, man. The, the, the speed lines. Yeah. It's going so fast. But it's not just speed lines. Like, that's the road. That's the way he chose to render the road. Which works in multiple ways, and that's phenomenal. I don't, I don't know how else to... I mean, I hate using the word masterful over and over again, and I feel like I try to reserve it as much as I can for something that truly hits that mark, but it, it definitely applies in this case. Yeah, I feel like that's fair. I feel like masterful is the, the test of time. This has stood up to it, and, and you could still call it masterful comics work i definitely think like the character design does still have that feel of early to like early 90s character design you know late uh, mid 80s to, to early 90s um where just like the the face proportions and the and the um expressions definitely feel like that old school anime vibe um but i'm pretty sure even now if you gave this to somebody that's never read this before and asked them to date it they probably would say it's a lot more recent than that yeah, I, it's, God, it's just gorgeous. It's, like, everything is so rendered. And, and it's funny because, like, I've really grown to appreciate 
comics where they don't render everything. Right, because like minimalism becomes... Where it's, it's really uncomplicated. You know, you zoom in, it's just like a few lines, and then you zoom out, and you're like, oh, no, that is a face. Like, uh, like Dustin Wynn's work sometimes. Yeah, I get that. But then this is, this is the exact opposite of that. He's like, I'm going to draw every wrinkle on this person's face every single time I draw them. Which is, I mean, from panel to panel, ridiculous. It's putting way too much work on yourself. And that maybe that's why it's only six volumes. And maybe that's why he hasn't done a lot of manga work. Oh, yeah, for sure, right? This would take forever. I, I am wondering how long it would take, but it would take forever. I know that. Um, I'm wondering also, well, look, looking at most panels, there are some that have that silhouette mood lighting background, but almost every panel has some sort of actual background in it. Or insane speed lines. Or insane speed lines that honestly are not there to fill, but there to like accentuate the panel. Oh, yeah, like, uh, like when Tetsuo is riding his motorcycle without hands. Oh, that panel is so cool. <laughs> Gosh, it's so cool. Oh, man, it's so B.A. He just looks like, oh, this guy's going to get you. Man, he, like, that heel turn from slightly, you know, uh, angry punk to just full-on mental disaster, like, human disaster. Like, that heel turn works. And I think, it, it, I think 50% of that, if not more, is the art. Yeah, and I love the way his hair changes. And his head gets bigger? Does his head get bigger? From just sort of like a doofy, a doofy haircut? Yeah, it feels like his head gets bigger. And I wonder if that's intended to be literal or if it's more of a figurative thing. I think it's supposed to be literal. I don't know, because I definitely feel like his head gets bigger. But he also has a very big head to begin with. Yeah, he's got like a five head going on. Yeah. <laughs> um, the one thing that I did have a problem with was just the way he rendered the water. Because the water is straight black, um, and I feel like in manga you're probably going to be dealing more with like a screen tone or some sort of um, like ink pattern, like a like a brush pattern on it to indicate water, rather than just going full black on it. Because usually full black means that the water is dirty or you know something else like oil or you know mysterious. Well, I think that the water that they do end up in is supposed to be sort of dirty and disgusting. Okay, yeah, I get that, because a lot of it's in the sewer, but I don't know. I, I just It took me a second to really wrap my brain. I'm like, wait, is this some sort of special liquid they're diving in, or no? I guess it's just water, okay. Yeah, it's yeah. It, I get you. That makes sense. Also, he rendered Chainlink at one point. How masochistic do you have to be? To just draw every single link in a chain? Yes. No, not just chain link, but like chain link fence. Oh, yeah. It's, yeah, it's unbelievable. It's insane. It's why, I think it's why it's such a legendary thing. It's like this guy drew, he drew his, his arm off. Yeah. The fact that he did any work after this is amazing. But I mean, maybe that's why he, uh, <laughs> can you imagine like, as he's the, he's the director of the anime, and animators are like, man, can't we, do we have to draw every single little detail? He's all, look at the page. Look what I did. Look at, do it. Now you, now you make it move. Yeah, but animation is a totally. They're like, we got to simplify a little bit. And he's like, less simplification than that. Does the movie look that good, like, in comparison? The movie's good. The animation is fantastic. Okay. I'm going to have to go watch this. Okay, well, I'm going to read the second volume, and then I'm going to go watch it. You should, Yeah. You should read all of it. It's super good. It's on my it's on my list now. I got to do that. Yeah, I really, really, really recommend this, especially like if if you if you like those sort of like weird conspiracy stories of like you know mental 
powers and stuff like that, or like any sort of post-apocalyptic stuff that's not like Mad Max level, but it's like, you know, urban post-apocalypse kind of, where it's like people trying to survive in like a weird world where everything's different and just like incredibly deep, you know, world building. Like we've really thought this through and here's how, here's how this whole world is. It doesn't even explain ever how the whole world is built. It's like, here is like, yeah, you can sort of see it. Well, it's not, it's Neo Tokyo, you know? Um, and I just realized like originally, like I wanted to read this cause it's 2019, but 2019 is only referenced in the anime In the book it's 2030. Oh, interesting. Whoops. But anyway, it's still great. Um, um I, man, also it's, it's if you're, such a crazy story. Yeah. Also, maybe if you're into a little bit of blood and guts, <laughs> Oh yeah, there's tons of there's plenty of blood and guts. If you're, it gets more blood and gutty. If you're metal, dude, he like explodes people's heads with his mind. With his mind powers, like more than once. And other times he throws bowling balls at people. That is pretty awesome. But yeah, it's very metal in that in that sense. It is. Uh, we should make Chewie read this. Yeah, right. Oh man, I feel like you'd enjoy it. He may be a little turned off just by the manga aspect, but he would definitely think it's metal. I, I think that, I think that like, coming from, I feel like this is one of those mangas where if you've read American comics, like, you're pretty good. Yeah, that's fair. It does throw you in, but it, it still kind of, you know, gives you kind of an idea of what's going on. It's got a little bit of a prelude and, um, or an intro. I think that this is, like, very accessible, especially since, like, the most common American translation is flipped. Yeah, that's true. So it's it's just like one less thing to stress people who are potentially manga readers out about. Like, oh, well, you know, it reads normal. Speaking of America, where are people going to be able to find this? Um, this is, I don't know who has the rights to it currently. I think last I, I have, it's funny because I have a volume that was published by Dark Horse and a volume that was published years later by Kodansha, but they're the exact same trade dress with the exception of the logo, the exact same size and the exact same you know, the exact same print. Interesting. Um, so, like, the it's still in print. Uh, you can get it on, you know, talk to your local comic book store or go to Amazon and get it. Uh, and I'm pretty sure it's available digitally on Comixology. Yeah, I think so, too. Um, yeah, and I, and, I, and I don't know if it's been colored, but I, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about that. I mean, would you want to read it that way? I mean, a lot of people like reading color comics. You and me are the weirdos who like reading <laughs> black and white comics. We read it in black and white. Um, according to just a very, very initial um, Google search, uh, Kodansha Comics. Okay, Kodansha is still the, they're still the publisher in the United States of it. Um, in the UK, it's Titan. Hold on. Yeah, Australia, it's Madman. Titan in the UK, they are the ones who published the Doctor Who comic. Oh, well, there you go. I have a bunch of that. Kodansha celebrates 10 years of publishing. Interesting. Okay. Well, there you go. Man, that motorcycle looks so cool. It's so cool. But I mean, like, doesn't it blow up in this one? Uh, does he blow it up in this one? Maybe. It gets crushed. I think it gets crushed by the building. But he spends a long time working on it. Maybe he fixes it next time. I'll go look it up. Anyway, anything else? It's, uh, Akira, you should read it. Yeah. <laughs> yep. That's... Wait, wait, wait. Hang on. The name of the show is You Should Read This. Yes. You Should Read This. Yeah. Akira, colon, You Should Read This. Should we not say colon? 
Yeah, that sounds weird. We're not you're not talking to Siri on your phone dictating a text message. Should we should we trade off? Do I do you want to say Akira and then I'll say you should read this. Let's do that. Okay, go ahead. I mean, everybody knows what's going to happen. Okay. Akira. You should read this. Oh, I should have said Akira. All right. Want to do it one more time? We're not we can do it. No, I don't. Okay. I'm <laughs> okay. I'm going to leave all this in, by the way. Everybody's going to listen to this part. Uh, Ryan, what's your handle on things? Uh, yeah, I'm on the internet at Ryan Roop, R-Y-A-N-R-U-P-P-E on Twitter and Instagram and whatever other social media that exists. Uh, I write about music at prestigeformat.com. Um, and I talk mostly music and comics on Twitter. Alan, how about you? Oh, yeah, my turn. Uh, you can find me at Marginally Talented, M-R-G-N-L-Y, Talented on pretty much all things. Um, my Instagram is where I post things because I am a nerdy artist, and uh, I think right now I'm doing some sort of series, I think, because I don't know when this is coming out, but that's my thing for like the next year. That's my goal is we're going to put out Ryan, we're going to put a bunch of zines this year. That's what's happening. Yep. <laughs> yes, we will. He put, mark the date and time that I said that, and then you can call me on it for not happening later. <laughs> it's still January. You can still do, uh, when we're recording this, it's still January. You can still do resolutions. Yeah, by the time this comes out, it definitely will not be January. So we'll already be one month behind. Congratulations. <laughs> well. Sorry. All right. Anyway, marginally talented. There you go. Uh, thanks for listening. Uh, drop us a line if you liked the show or if you didn't like the show, or just just let us know that there are people out there who are listening to us. We could uh, really use some feedback on iTunes, uh, just some star reviews, um, uh, word reviews go a long way. Also, um, yeah, can you do reviews on Spotify or Google? Play? I think if you, you can, can. Give it a, give it a go. Um, and if not, yeah, tell us. Hey, maybe do some research first before you mention. it. Also, DM us on uh, Instagram or Twitter um, or tag us in whatever. Um, let us know what you want us to read, and we'll, uh, we'll put that on the list so we can, you know, give the fans what they want. Totes. Okay. I think that's it. All right. <laughs> All right. Thanks for listening. Bye. See you next time.